We're still yeah. fighting yeah. to be a part of the narrative of the story, not something that is just interjected at people's whims, but we're, we're as much part of the uh, American experience, the American fabric. We, we are part of it all, but yet we constantly are left out of the narrative. And so that- Why is that? Well, come on. It's, a, it, it's, it's power, it's power, it's economics, oh. it's, it's power. It's what made Dr. King dangerous because they started yeah. to talk about a poor person's movement. Yeah. They started to talk about economics. They started to talk about having a share and what should be rightfully ours. Yeah. So that makes them dangerous. Yeah. Europeans left the rule of kings and queens because they felt that they were being left out of the power structure and left out of the dream. So they came here. Mm -hmm. Only to do the same thing. Only to do the same thing to others because, as uh, my partner Jamaican Miles always says, it's it's for so for too many people, it's not about ending um, oppression. It's about getting your turn to be the oppressor. Yeah. I want to get into this idea of unity and, and humanity. So tell me what it is in the context of your work with the Human Rights Commission. How are you addressing the, the imbalances that you see? I mean, it wouldn't be, be a need for a human rights commission if there wasn't violations of human rights, I imagine, right? Yeah. So, so the work and how I operate within the parameters that have been given to me mm -hmm. um, is to bring that history. So to bring my upbringing, yeah. the youngest kid uh, in a large family, learning to build coalitions, learning to work together, learning how to get your voice heard. Within a governmental structure that I'm in or governed under, I have to figure out um, how to coalesce. So what I do is I look at the things that we have in common, yeah. even if the other person don't doesn't want to see it, we still have something in common. My mom used to say, who's my greatest teacher, that, um, you know, if you cut me, I bleed. I'm human. I have emotions. I hurt. I, you know, I, I have joy. Um, don't take away those human attributes or those human emotions away from me and make me into something non-human. Mm -hmm. Right. So what I do at the human rights is I make sure that black history is, is 365 days um, yeah. that I am in a place where I can be heard and seen. So what does that look like day to day? So say Sean's got an issue or concern and something's going on and 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 I feel like, you know, my rights have been violated in some way. And what does that look like for them just to be? able to reach out, contact you all, and get the assistance that they need. It's having the passion, but it's also having the compassion mm -hmm. to be able to listen. So even if someone comes to my office and they don't meet the criteria of an offense under a protective class, I still take time to listen to the whole story. I take time to listen to them and then utilize the resources that I have Yeah to connect them with somebody who can do something for them. But it's important that they be heard. It's important that people who come in that office who feel like they are not being heard or that their rights have been violated or that they've been shut down or that 
they've been fired unfairly. Um, it's important to have somebody sit long enough to listen. And so I had to rethink my listening skills. In your estimation, when you look at the things that we're facing, the obstacles in our way, what are some solutions? Like, what are some things as a community we could be doing to take some strides forward? So in all of the trainings that I do um, in my in my business life, I learned how to do what's called a SWOT, S-W-O-T, to look at the strengths, look at the weaknesses, the opportunities, and the threats. And so in the work that I do, whether it's in a training, I'm always evaluating where the strengths are, where the weaknesses are, what are my opportunities? What are our opportunities? So I think, and what are the threats? And I think that if I was to do a, a quick analysis on what you were just on, on the question, yeah. um, we sometimes get in our own way. We don't take the opportunity. Um, um, Professor uh, Bell, uh, Derek Bell, um, I remember uh, working at the, uh, a non-for-profit and I bought a used car and the used car was a Mercedes. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, uh, car. yeah, it was a used car. <laughs> right. And, and, and professor Bell said to me when he saw it, he says, Oh, very nice car. He said, very nice. He said, I'm wondering how the people you serve view the car and how that connects you to them or how that takes you away from them. Interesting. You know, yeah. Um, and so these, those are role models yeah. who put everything on the line. We so one of the things we have to do to move the needle forward is to make sure that we're we're willing. I'm willing to put on the line my comfort. So in order to become comfortable, I'm going to have to face some discomfort. Yeah. So I put that on the line. Um, we have to realize what our strengths are. And our strengths, my strengths, come from a powerhouse, um, jam-packed um, room full of women. Mm -hmm. My mother, my godmother, my coach, um, friends, you know, who really, who I got to see in action um, how to face adversity, how to create something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. And um, and to make it look pretty, even when it was at its ugliest, how to make it look pretty for us to continue to do it and then to keep on doing it. So, you know, I think that moving the needle forward is to get out of our own way, put our comfort on the line um, and utilize our resources to move us forward. And, and if I say us, that means I'm including myself. Yeah. Yeah. Not I'm just going to get this for myself and I'm going to be comfortable and I'm going to live this kind of life and y'all have to do for yourself. No. When we're talking about the humanity of blackness, how do we begin to love on ourselves and on one another? Um, and to also find those those moments of, of unity that y'all talked about with with Baldwin and with the Black Panther Party. But because of the trauma and because of the intentionality of white supremacy, our humanity has always been challenged. So how do we continue and look for that love for ourselves and for each other? We remember, I remember. I remember the stories. I may paint a picture based on the, the, 
the pastels, the beauty uh, of what I learned through those who taught me. But I also know about the the dark sides, the ugly sides. And I make that, it's all part of the story. And it's a reminder for me not to turn around. Watching people get spit on, remembering the people who were hosed with fire hoses and had dogs sicked on them and they kept on going. And so healing to me is about embracing the journey that I have been placed here to bear witness to and then encourage through my experience that it's not always going to be easy, right? Here's my grandmama talking now, right? But I really don't believe that I was brought to this place to be left here alone. And so I have to encourage myself to get up when I when I get knocked down, to take a no and make it into a yes and um, present the case and know my rights and all those things that mom taught me. And then to um, get help on how to articulate that in other circles so that I'm effective in every room that I walk into. Lastly, I'll just say that, you know, my favorite orator was... Uh, Barbara Jordan, I loved when Barbara Jordan would speak. And I listened to old tapes of her at the Democratic Convention and other um, speeches that she gave. I, you know, I go and I listen to those, those speeches and I hear the passion and I can relate to the passion. I also can relate to the hurt that created the words, but they also had a vision for a better place. And I, I have a vision for a better place, a better world, a better me.